Peter Schweitzer, friend of this program, long time, great researcher, author. He really got this whole Biden family corruption scandal started. And and I remember reading his book when it first came out. I think it was January of 2018. And it's called Secret Empires. And by the way, to Peter's credit, he's not really partisan. He's with the Government Accountability Office, and he goes after a lot of Republicans in this as well. But I don't think anyone quite meets the level of corruption of the uh, Hunter, uh, zero experience Hunter, quid pro quo Joe level. Um, And there is credit to be given to people like Senator Ron Johnson and Senator Chuck Grassley for following it. But all of this, when you look at the New York Post and Bob Alinsky and the breakdown, and the corruption, and then the outright censoring of the information, we've got ourselves a massive information crisis in this country. You know, anywhere between 10 and 17% of people said they, would, they wouldn't have voted for, for Joe Biden had they known. While the media, in their mass contri- contrib- contribution, and big tech in their mass contribution— and allowing Joe to be in the candidate protection program in his basement bunker, well, and then do the job of pounding Trump every second of every day, they did, they did everything any campaign would ever want. He didn't have to leave the basement. Let me go to a couple of clips here, then we'll invite Peter back on the program because he's so well-versed on all of this. First, I want to start with fake news CNN. And remember, Undercover, Project Veritas, great work, James O'Keefe, dismissing the Hunter Biden story. Then you got people like fake Jake News Tapper and Kristidan Amanpour. Oh, there are no facts to support the Hunter Biden story. Or Leslie Stahl saying that Biden is not in the middle of a scandal. Listen. I think uh, on the Breitbart, New York Post, Fox News, rabbit hole of Hunter Biden, which I don't think anybody outside of that world understood last night. Um, obviously, uh, we're not going with the uh, New York Post story uh, right now on Hunter Biden, and uh, which seems to be uh, giving its marching orders to Fox News and the right-wing echo chamber about what to uh, talk about today. Obviously, Hunter Biden's lawyer is quoted in that New York uh, Post piece, and we'll just continue to report out this is the very stuff that the president was impeached over. This is the stuff that Senate committees looked at and found nothing wrong in uh, Joe Biden's uh, interactions. Hey, Jeff, it's just David on the Burisma story. And we should be awfully careful about that, obviously. But I do think there's a media story of what in the world are uh, Maggie Haberman and uh, Jake Sherman doing retweeting that story. Uh, Bakari, the the right wing is going crazy with uh, all sorts of allegations uh, about Biden and his family. Too disgusting to even repeat here. Uh, I mean, some of the ones I've seen from the president's son and the president, some of the president's supporters are are just wildly unhinged. If it's me or you, Jake, somebody goes after our kids. You know, you want to you want to go back at them just as hard as they're going after your children. And that's I'm Biden's sorry. record. I mean, he gets passionate about defending his kids. I the know FBI that you're trying to verify. Everybody to look at that, but that's not what we're hearing from Why the FBI. Why don't you want to report so, well, this? This is the one of the well, most powerful no, families Liz, in Washington. Liz, the Liz, Biden family. And you're okay? You're okay with our interests being sold out to profit uh, Liz, Joe Biden and his family when, when we're suffering during a pandemic from communist yes, China? He's doing shady business absolutely. deals Liz, with as communist you know China. You're well, comfortable. Okay. As, as you know perfectly well, I'm a journalist and a reporter and I follow the facts. And there has never been any issues in terms of corruption. Now, let me ask you this. Yesterday, 
The FBI. Wait, 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 the wait. FBI How do you know that? I'm talking about reporting and any evidence. I'm talking to you now. Okay, I would love if you guys would start doing that digging and start doing that verification. No, we're not going to do your work for you. I want to ask you a question. The FBI, it's a journalist's contrary, job. It's a journalist's job to, to, to find out if this is verified. I wish you would interview Joe Biden like you interview me. It would be so good. You know what? You the, like this, the, I thought. I thought you I don't mind spot, it. I don't mind spot. it. But when I watch him walk out of a store and he's walking with a ice cream and the question the media asks him, what kind of ice cream, what flavor <laughs> ice cream do you have? And he's in the midst of a scandal. He's not. And he's taking... Of course he is, Leslie. Come on. Of course he is. What part of the scandal does she not understand? Anyway, Peter Schweitzer is with us. You know, now all of a sudden, the acknowledgement by Hunter that, yeah, he's under investigation and uh, something we've known about for a long time, Peter. Um, This is not a small scandal. This is the Biden family foreign crime syndicate, basically, we're talking about. And if the last name were Trump, we both know that the coverage would be dramatically different. Now we censor stories. Now we hide it from the public. And and now all of a sudden they get him elected and then they're going to try and what? Just ease it over like they always do. You're exactly right, Sean. And and here's the thing. I mean, the media is telling us the reason they didn't cover this story is because it's no big deal. The fact is they didn't cover this story because it's a huge deal. Uh, And a lot of the polling that has come out since the election that describes the fact that that there are a lot of Biden supporters that had they known what what they now are learning about Hunter Biden uh, because of the, the blackout from the mainstream media they didn't know before, they but it's hu- but it's Hunter and Joe. It's not just Hunter. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And it's not just Hunter. And this is the key, the key ingredient um, <clears throat> that the media is also trying to do. They're trying to say this is a Hunter Biden thing. I mean, you, on that that uh, those clips that you showed earlier, they're talking about Joe Biden's kid. Hunter Biden is fifty years old. He's not a kid. He's an adult, and he's been going around the world meeting and doing business deals with thugs, corrupt oligarchs that. If, if, if uh, the Trump family or, or other uh, Republicans were doing, they would be reporting. And, and, you know, rightfully so. That's what they're supposed to do. But the, the journalistic malpractice that has occurred is shocking. Uh, Sean, I remember back, this takes us way back. Remember back in 1984, Gary Hart is running for president of the United States. And he told the media, I'm not having any affairs. I'm not unfaithful to my wife. What did the media do? They actually staked out and tried to determine whether was that tr- whether that was true, and they showed that it was not that he was lying to the media. What we have today with the media is the Biden family has repeatedly lied to them. Hunter Biden going on ABC News and saying, "I have never received a penny from the Chinese." We know that he got five million dollars from CEFC. We know he got that diamond. We know that they got the $100,000 shopping spree. We know he got an equity stake from Bohai Harvest, the Chinese government-backed investment fund. That's a flat-out, bold-faced lie. And the media is accepting it. Unlike 1984, when they said, we're going to try to verify this and see if Gary Hart is telling us the truth or not, when it comes to the Biden, they accept it. The Bidens are allowed to lie to them. And they just don't seem to care. It, it, it's astonishing. It's astonishing. Well, you know, you do deserve a lot of credit because you put a lot of work into this and it's gone back many, many years here. Um, but I think the media is smearing the New York Post. And, and frankly, you know, they did everything they could do to ignore you. You want to talk about what real collusion is? There was actually a pretty interesting post editorial today. 
about this. Um, yeah, that's their favorite word over the last four years. But you know what collusion really is when you got the left wing media mob, you got the big tech media mob, you got a presidential candidate that's in the their their candidate protection program living in his basement bunker, never asking this guy a single tough question, uh, and then doing the work of the campaign, the Biden campaign, trashing the president every second, every hour of every day. And that's after four long years of lies and conspiracy theories and a hoax one after another perpetrated on the American people. Now, I'm just worried about information, Peter. I mean, it's like you're a light in a very dark sky. I mean, there's there's a few of us on radio and just a few of us on TV, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. No, you're you're exactly right, Sean. I mean, it, it's it's uh, uh, you've been there from the beginning. Uh, Mark Levin has been there. I'm I'm actually uh, doing his, uh, his uh, Fox show uh, this weekend for an hour. Mark Levin has been there. Uh, a couple of other people at Fox. Uh, the New York Ru- Rush has been there. That's yeah, it. that's yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Rush has been there. That's it. Um, and and yet the truth stands. And to just draw the contest, I want to really flesh out what you just said before. Remember when we went into the whole Russia hoax? They had this dossier that, of course, was paid for by the Clinton campaign that was anonymously sourced. It had no references. It had no evidence. It was just it was just made up stuff. And they had a meeting at Trump Tower, and that became the predicate for talking about four years of collusion. What do we have with the Biden? We have the records of business deals that the Biden family, while he's vice president of the United States, is doing with the communist government of China. That's not in dispute. So the question becomes, which one actually has evidence of collusion? You had no financial transfer involving the Trumps. The dossier was completely garbage. The, the meeting in Trump Tower was nothing. In the case of the Bidens, the media hasn't even looked at any of it, and they've declared that there's no relationship here to worry about. Yes, they've done business deals together. Uh, yes, they're giving the Bidens all of these deals that they have no background and expertise in, but we're just going to refuse to look there. Um, and let me just make one final point on this, Sean. Look, Russia is a threat to the United States, but by far a bigger threat to our future and our security is China. And what we've seen in the last three, four years has been this diversion, this building up of China is this, uh, sorry, of Russia is this massive threat. It's a declining economy. Yes, they present challenges, but everybody that knows anything about national security shows that China is the threat we face. And that is the partner that the Bidens have been doing international business with for the last seven to eight years. And that should be the central concern of everybody, that it's possible that our future commander-in-chief is business partners, his family is, with our chief rival on the global stage. All right, quick break. More with Peter Schweitzer. He got this, he's blown this whole thing wide open from the beginning with his book, Secret Empires. We have a link on Hannity.com, Amazon.com. Hunter Biden, there's no evidence that he's done anything wrong. We all know that Hunter Biden, there's no evidence of any wrongdoing with him. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. There's no evidence of wrongdoing by Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden is completely peripheral here. First, because there's no evidence that Hunter Biden or Joe Biden committed any crime. There's no evidence that Hunter Biden did anything illegal, may have been unseemly, influence peddling. On Hunter Biden's decision, despite no evidence that he has done anything wrong, there's no evidence to support the claims about Joe Biden's son. 
All right, as we continue, Peter Schweitzer, he blew all of this Hunter, zero experience Hunter, Joe Biden quid pro quo, China connections, Russia connections, Ukrainian Burisma connections. He blew it open in his best-selling book, Secret Empires, in January of 2018. We continue with him. You know, the thing is, is now what do the Chinese possibly have on Joe? What do they have on Hunter? Is Joe Biden compromised by the Chinese, by the Ukrainians? Is he compromised by the Russians? Is he compromised by Kazakhstan? These oligarchs? All these people? All this money? Is he, you know, do we now have somebody that that might be the president that's that compromised? I I think there's no question that that you have to worry about that. You have to worry about, number one, uh, that they are getting favorable treatment from the Bidens because uh, the the Chinese government has helped the Bidens become wealthy. Number two, you have the issue of compromised information. Um, You've got these money flows. Uh, The Chinese could basically blow Joe Biden up by coming... Well, then let me ask this. Well, when they say, oh, there's yeah. no evidence, just like with this election fraud, you have whistleblower after whistleblower <laughs> after eyewitness after eyewitness after eyewitness. Uh, there's right. plenty of evidence. They're actually we, we we are following literally bank transfers, wire transfers, yeah. meetings, trips, yeah. all of it. Yeah, no, that that's exactly right, Sean. And 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 here's why I think this case is so important. You know, some people in the media are sort of saying, well, this is kind of a tax case with Hunter Biden. This is something far more important than this. If you talk about people that look at financial crimes, whether it's public corruption or money laundering um, or, or, you know, tax issues, you start at tax issues. Why? Because when you declare that you're investigating tax crimes, we have tax treaties with countries around the world because governments obviously love to collect their taxes and they don't want people cheating on their taxes. By declaring this as a tax crime, this is going to give prosecutors access to financial records and bank accounts and LLCs that we know the Bidens have. Uh, some of them have come up in, in the financial records that have already been re, you know, released in court cases. But the bottom line is this is going to give them access to the sort of sinews and nerves of the Biden's financial flow from overseas. And I believe that this is just the beginning, the tip of the iceberg. It's going to begin as looking at tax crimes and money laundering, and it's now going to become other issues related to public corruption. And for that reason, Sean, it's essential that we have a special prosecutor that is independent of the Department of Justice to make sure that this gets looked into. Because if we have a President Biden, he is going to shut down this investigation immediately because this is not just about his son. This is about himself, and it's about the entire family. All right, Peter Schweitzer, I mean, it's just amazing amount of information, honestly, you, you have to, have to get his book, Secret Empires. We're going to link it on Hannity.com. It came out in 2018. It's more relevant today. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. I know it's a big ask. I know that the country's putting a lot of pressure on Republicans and conservatives and patriots down in Georgia. Um, the only thing I could say is I'm, I'm not asking my friends in Georgia to do anything that I myself would not do. And that is put a lot of urgency in the Senate runoff races. Um, And I'm not uh, in spite of your own local officials. And that, of course, being the governor, lieutenant governor and that idiotic secretary of state you have. 
Uh, I understand people's frustration with all that we've learned that went on down in Georgia. I'm not going to go through all of the details. We've been giving it out all week. Underage people voting, people that moved voting, people that never re-registered voting, dead people voting. We, we have it all chronicled. But that does not, you know, anger towards Kemp or any of these other Republicans does not help the country. And, and if you support the president, you know, it's been four years of a very, very heavy lift uh, on hard work, dedication and and just grunt work every day, just grind work every day to, to fight for the changes that he implemented. And all of that hangs in the balance and then it hangs in the balance not only for Georgia, but for the entire country. And so it's a big ask. I understand completely. But there are good people in elected office down in Georgia. There was a hearing down there yesterday with Garland Feverito explaining the inconsistent voting spikes for Joe Biden on election night. I do hope that the people of Georgia, the, the, the elected officials in Georgia, I, I hope they're watching chain of custody with these drop boxes, which they sh- I hope they're making accommodations that every vote has partisan observers. I hope they're checking the voter rolls of every single person that makes an application and in terms of an absentee or mail-in ballot. I would hope that they would have fixed the signature verification system so you don't have two standards. I guess that's too much for somebody to ask for. But putting that aside, here's from yesterday's testimony. This is before uh, the Georgia House in their committee hearing yesterday. Fast forward to 8.22 a.m., a woman with blonde brains, uh, braids brings in a skirted table into the room. The room itself, I believe, violates uh, Georgia law for transparency, but the skirted table, I would think, certainly should do that. At 9.30 a.m., after the delay from the uh, water main break that never really was a water main break, it was just a leaky uh, toilet or urinal, um, <coughs> excuse me, urinal, Ballot processing began and it continued through the day. At 10 p.m., everything seems to be normal. The same woman in blonde braids, now dressed differently, uh, came out, changed clothes uh, with a different change of clothes, announced that the processing will stop for the night. You can see back here the observers are uh, present at that time. The observers are still present at 1040, but everything has been closed up here. The monitors still stayed, and at 10.55, the monitors and the Fox 5 reporter leave, but the four workers still remain, at least four, maybe more. 11.03, the woman in the uh, blonde braids begins to pull out uh, suitcases from underneath this um, skirted table. 11.04, another suitcase goes out. And 11.05, the supervisor pulls out another suitcase from under the skirted table. 11.10, the scanning of these ballots continue uh, back in the, here in this area where there's at least four scanners. They do about 3,000 an hour. The scanning continued for approximately two hours uh, with no one present, all in violation of Georgia law, as near as I can tell. At 12.55, the scanners leave. Uh, after scanning uh, approximately 15 to 20,000 ballots onto memory cards. And 135, 40 minutes later, there is a tremendous spike in, in the votes for Joe Biden, a 100,000 uh, vote spike. See how inconsistent this is with everything else. This is the time over here on the left-hand side, and this is the the votes, 
that went up the, the, the Biden's uh, change and Trump's change by uh, time frame of each of these feeds. What you're hearing there is Garland Favorito, who is now testifying yesterday before the Georgia State Senate, uh, exposing what is, remember the videotape that we saw. He uh, joins us now. Uh, Garland, thank you for being on the program. So just to let people understand, the reason you're talking about a woman with blonde braids is because that you're looking at the videotapes that we've all seen, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right, Sean. Um, she was the woman uh, who came out and put the table out there, and she was also the one who uh, started the the but the uh, excuse me the ta- the suitcases from being removed and the whole ballot processing from starting. She was the one also that told uh, everybody that they weren't going to process any more ballots, and then they continued on for two hours scanning ballots illegally with no monitors there. And by the way, you would be called what's called a whistleblower. What's interesting about this, and I want to really go through this in detail here, is that the media was in the room. You mentioned, uh, I believe it was Fox 5. Uh, You had the regular observers in the room. They're asked to leave the room. Then you go through very specific detail as where the ballots were under the table. They lift them up in the suitcases, take them out, said no more voting's going on for the evening. Not only did you watch the vote counting then begin again, but only with the few select people in the room without the partisan observers. But then you're watching the vote tally go up in and around the same time. That's something that nobody else had tied together before. Well, exactly, Sean. Now, technically, I was not in the room that particular moment. So the I did observe at State Farm Arena on several occasions, and I was trying to provide context for the legislatures uh, so that they can understand what was going on. But you're right. Um, that was the key piece of evidence that I wanted to provide at the Senate hearing when I was booted off the, the uh, agenda list by the chairman. And I could have tied that back a week ago to show that 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 burst of 100,000 votes came right after that all for for Joe Biden. But I was scheduled to go up by the president's legal team, but the chairman booted me off a week ago. Okay, so they they did. Now, what was the response as you were presenting this uh, before the Georgia State Senate yesterday? Yeah, yeah, it was was the House uh, yesterday, Sean, and it was crickets. I was expecting to get a lot of uh, questions, um, and they, and particularly from the Democrats, um, but I didn't even get one challenging question on my whole testimony. They just moved right on uh, and kept going, um, and then they did come back. One of the uh, uh, friendly representatives did ask me a question, but I was kind of, I was really kind of surprised. I thought uh, I would get some really, really uh, aggressive questions, but uh, particularly from the Democrats. But what's ironic about the whole thing, Sean, is that uh, I was in the trenches with the Democrats last year when we opposed House Bill 316 that led us to this disaster. That was the Republican establishment last year, and now this year, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, the system proved to be as bad as what we believed last year. So I guess um, that might have had something to do with why they didn't ask any aggressive questions, but there's just, there's no answer, you know, uh, there's just no response to this. It's compelling evidence, and no one can refute it. You know, it's so interesting. What are you hearing from, from fellow conservatives in Georgia 
knowing that there's now this disconnect and anger towards the governor, the secretary of state, lieutenant governor, and others, and yet we have the this runoff race. Today's the 11th. On January 5th, voting starts in, in three days. We got, you know, Monday in-person early voting begins in Georgia for the Senate runoff. That's a big deal. Absolutely, Sean, and it's a great point that you brought up. And there is just tremendous anger down here with the governor. Um, in light of the compelling evidence that this election was stolen from the president and the governor not calling a special session to uh, to address the electoral votes of the state of Georgia, the Republicans in Georgia are are really really upset and. Um, there, there's just a, uh, you know, in, in addition to that, you've got the Secretary of State covering up for these, these Fulton County operatives who, it's appear obvious, that stole the election. Uh, I, I never would believe that the Secretary of State of Georgia, the Republican Secretary of State, would allow the Democrats to steal a presidential election. But that is what they're doing right now. They're in tremendous cover-up mode. The Republicans are so upset about this um, that, you know, and all the governor has to do is call for the legislative session and resolve this issue at the legislature, uh, at the legislature on Monday and award the electoral votes properly. Uh, because, you know, the pre- this, this, this race was stolen, and I told them yesterday the steal is real and, and the president deserves the Georgia electoral votes. You know, the, the problem is, is that I, I think for voters now, they, they've got to bifurcate and compartmentalize this. Because, and this is what I'm trying to get to the heart of here. Do, do Georgia Republicans, conservatives, patriots, do they, I, I'm sure they do understand how impactful these runoff elections are, whether they're, they're angry or not. Am I wrong? Listen, I'm not asking them yeah. to do anything I would not do myself. Absolutely. And if this was right. me, no, and this was my state, right. and this was my election, I guarantee you I'd be out there voting. Absolutely right. I mean, uh, all the Republicans want to vote. That's not the issue. What we're concerned is that these same operatives will steal the U.S. Senate race. They're still counting votes in Fulton County. They'll be counting the, the votes again in the U.S. Senate race. And uh, if they can steal the presidential race, they will steal the U.S. Senate races, both of them. And that's the concern right now. And the Secretary of State is allowing them to do it. All right. We really appreciate you updating us, Garland. Thank you. And we're watching very closely. Georgia, it's a big ask. The country needs you. Uh, This transcends anything to do with any locally elected or state elected official. Uh, This is if you care about the president and the hard work and the agenda that he's accomplished, you, you got to try. You got to give it your best shot. Um, I'm not asking you to do anything I wouldn't do. I would vote, and I would do it enthusiastically, and it begins Monday. Pretty scary. Scary times really all around. Glad you're with us, 800-941-SHAWN, if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Other news, and we'll get to all of this with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan here in a second. Uh, Bill Barr moved today to protect the Durham investigation uh, from interference uh, if there were a future Biden administration. And he elevated John Durham now to the role of special counsel, which means that he would be protected from any interference by any potential Biden administration of any of the Russiagate hoaxers in the Obama-Biden administration end up under investigation. 
And should, since Joe Biden took part in that January 5th, 2017 meeting where he, Comey, Yates, Susan Rice, note to self, memo to self, what happened in this office 15 days ago, Obama said, do everything by the book. Anyway, the attorney general made that appointment today. Uh, a lot of news has been made uh, at the AG's comments that the DOJ is yet to find widespread voter fraud that could have changed the 2020 election. Uh, specifically, although this is a nuanced point, but it is an important one. Uh, he's saying that that would be on a federal criminal in the criminal justice system with allegations that uh, he is saying should be made in civil lawsuits. All of the campaign's litigation, just so you know, is civil. Uh, in that sense, that really doesn't have an impact on the ongoing litigation. Uh, distinction, important point, but would it be criminal? I think it would be. And I would hope that the testimony we've been hearing all day would be compelling. Jim Jordan of Ohio joins us right now, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Sean. Good to be with you. Hope you had a good you, Thanksgiving. Uh, I did, and I want to talk about that in a second. So with the Attorney sure. General's announcement, Yep. Uh, about protecting Durham and and elevating him to a special counsel. Your thoughts? No, I think you said it right. Remember, Joe Biden was in the Oval Office at that January 5th meeting. Joe Biden's the guy who brought up the Logan Act that they, wanted, that they were thinking about using to go after uh, Michael Flynn. And of course, that's the, that's the meeting where they hatched the strategy to go after Michael Flynn and to take him out because he would have uncovered uh, exactly what they had, they had done uh, to the Trump campaign. So I, I think this is a, a, a good move. If you look at the letter, though, I think there's, there's two interesting points. The letter that the Attorney General sent to Mr. Nadler, Mr. Uh, Graham, uh, uh, Senator Feinstein, and myself. And in that letter, he says, additional information has been uncovered. So what, what is that information? How is that going to be? So, so Durham has obviously found something. The other thing, though, the other point that I would I'd make from that, that, that cover letter that he sent, he talks about tolling the notification. He was supposed to, the Attorney General was supposed to tell us this when he made the determination and exactly named uh, named it Durham the special counsel, which took place back on October 19th. I wish he would have made this public beforehand, before the election. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't. But I, I do think it's a good move because if, in fact, it's a Biden administration, we need to remember Joe Biden was intricately involved in that key January 5th meeting that you pointed out. All right. Have you been watching all of the testimony today? Have you had an opportunity to watch this? I have not. I've been, I've been in meetings and stuff here on Capitol Hill. I'm not. No, well, you've been hearing from one whistleblower after another, and I played earlier yeah. in the program. I'll play it later, but I thought Democrats in the media love whistleblowers, but all these people signed uh, legal affidavits under the threat of perjury, and they're all giving their testimony about all the irregularities that they saw, and it's beyond compelling, including a truck driver talking about uh, transporting ballots across state lines in, in yeah. large quantities of maybe up to 300,000. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and just step back for a second. Sean, they're still counting votes. Four weeks after the election, they're still counting votes in California and New York. Ask yourself this question. If the United States of America, if we sent people to some other country, some country in a different continent, to oversee their elections, and that country that we were overseeing the elections was still counting votes 28 days after the election was supposed to happen, we'd say, oh, this is a problem. We better talk to the U.N. about this. We better do something. We better withhold foreign aid to that country. But here in the United States, we have two of our, two of our four biggest states, California and New York, still counting ballots today. So everybody knows something's not right with this election. We can see all the, all, the, the fact that this president got 10 million, 10 plus more million votes 
We won 27 out of 27 toss-up seats in the House. We kept the Senate. We picked up a bunch of seats in the House. He increased his vote with Hispanic Americans, African Americans, and yet somehow comes up short. So we, we know there's some, and then we have all these people coming forward willing to swear under oath that this is, in fact, you know, crazy things that happen. So, of course, we should look at this. And it comes back to the fundamental question. Why don't Democrats want to? Why do they want to, why do, why do they want to rush through this? We have plenty of time. We've got two more weeks until the Electoral College meets. We've got six and a half weeks until, until uh, inauguration. So let's get to the bottom of everything because something doesn't feel right. And when you have... 70% of the 74 million people who voted for President Trump, 70% of that number think that something was wrong with this election. That's a third of the electorate. When a third of the electorate thinks something's wrong, it is, it is good for the country that we figure out exactly what happened. Well, the president said in his interview with Maria Bartiromo that if the Electoral College decides that it's Biden, he will abide by that. Um, and I, I don't know if I want to go there yet. I think this process needs to play out completely. You know, I guess if there's a level of frustration to me, Jim Jordan, is that they've been accumulating these affidavits. Why haven't we heard from the people themselves directly sooner? It's a month later. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm like you. I wish we would. Uh, I'm like you. I want, this, I want to exhaust every avenue that we can and get to the truth. Um, I do believe we're going to begin to hear from these folks. I, I certainly hope so. Um, but, um, you know, remember, though, Sean, remember the lady in, uh, in, in, in Detroit, uh, Michigan, in Wayne County, when she was going to hold off on, on certifying the elections from that county. Remember what the left did to her, what the cancel culture mob did to her and to her family. So obviously some of these people are, are, are a little nervous. And as you pointed out, it used to be that, that you know, uh, people in, in Democrats and Republicans supported whistleblowers coming forward. But now, no, that's not the case with Democrats. The only whistleblower they supported was the one that we weren't allowed to know his name, right? The yeah, one that that one that was not even a real Biden. whistleblower. Wasn't it a hearsay yeah. whistleblower? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So, uh, yeah, I, but, but the, my, my guess is that's some of the reluctance on some of these, uh, some of these people who have signed affidavits and, and, and want to testify to things. They're a little nervous about what the, what the cancel culture mob on the left will do to them. No, look, I mean, you live this every single day. Um, do we yeah, know how many House seats were picked up by Republicans in this election yet? Have we ever gotten the final number? I know all 27 toss-up races went Republican. Yep. Looks like we're going to get to 213, I believe, is the number we're going to get to. As you saw, Mike Garcia was just named the, the, the winner yesterday in that California seat. David Valadeo won back his seat. That Lee Zeldin won his race. That was done today, Lee too. Zeldin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So I think he won by 40,000 votes. Why are we even here? But OK, that's a congressional race. But um, <laughs> exactly. so 213, what's the margin then? So they got they, they have five votes. And remember, they had 10 people, uh, 10 people who, who uh, won reelection who voted against uh, Pelosi for speaker. So we'll see what happens. My guess is she she figures out some way to to, you know, stay a speaker. Cling on to power. Yeah, they can they can only lose a few votes on the on the House floor that uh, on on important issues, and so it'll be an interesting uh, interesting. Uh, Is there Congress, any uh, chance that that the squad members could win that seat? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. You know, I I, I I don't mind when the Democrats are fighting. I figure the more they're fighting, the less they're trying to take away your rights and your your liberties. So um, if they got all this infighting going on between the squad and between Speaker Pelosi and other members of their conference. I mean that's fine because that's in the long run that's good for the country. Less time for, less time for them to do damage and raise your taxes and all the other crazy things they want to do. 
Yeah. Now, when you uh, we're looking at like a nine seat difference then between Democrats and Republican. I mean, yeah. that's really close. But every state legislature was held as well, which also yeah. brings up, you know, there's again, there's so many spectacular firsts. Don't you find it odd, Jim Jordan, if you when you look at all of the statistics and numbers that we're now being able to put together? And, you know, this is just the nature of elections. You don't find out a lot about it until till after. Um, but when you look at all of this, you know, Biden's going to enter the White House as the first incumbent to gain votes. The president, Trump, will gain 11 million votes but lose the election since Grover Cleveland 150 years ago. 150 uh, years. Right. Yeah. And then you then you look at, for example, he won your state by eight points, Florida by over three points. The two swing states weren't even close. Yep. That would make Biden the first candidate in 60 years to lose Florida and Ohio and still become president. Uh, yeah. 19 bellwether counties that all correctly yeah. picked the president each year since Reagan. 18 were Trump by an average of 15 percent. Uh, yeah. If you look at Biden, unpre- underperformed Clinton and Obama in major liberal cities with minorities, New York, Chicago, L.A., but outperformed Clinton and Obama in swing state cities like Milwaukee, Atlanta, <laughs> Detroit and Philadelphia. Yeah. Is that yeah. an accident or just a great lucky coincidence for Joe? Yeah, all the while, while while President Trump was getting a higher percentage of African-American vote, Hispanic-American vote, and yet somehow Biden does so exceptionally well in some of these key urban areas in, in, in some of the key swing states. So, yeah, I mean, the bellwether counties that, like, as you pointed out, the Ohio going by over eight points for the president. Yeah, Ohio was the, the, the state that always, over the last several years, I think you said 60, but it, it's the state that you have to carry if you're going to win the White House, and the president carries it. It, by a huge margin. So all those things together, when you just list them all out, you would think, and it, there was a great article in the Federalist that pointed some of the things out you were talking about, and, and, and the, the, the headline was, why won't the media do the, ask the questions about this? I mean, that's the job of journalists. Go, go, you, you see all these strange things, and something tells you why. Why did this all happen, and yet somehow Biden wins the, the, the White House? It's never happened in history before. We've never seen anything like this. So that should tell us something that there needs to be an investigation of this. We've actually called for one. We've called for Jerry Nadler and, and, and Chairwoman Maloney of the Oversight Committee to, to do an investigation. We'll help them with it. We'll help them. We'll, we'll dig in and find out exactly what happened. Of course, we've gotten uh, silence from, uh, from, from both of those chairmen. You know, I saw that you uh, warned on Friday that the left is going to target Christmas next after Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think the funniest <laughs> viral video in New York that was going around everywhere was... Uh, a picture of of Governor Cuomo peering into people's homes and wind and through the window. I don't know how many yeah. counting how many people might be at the Thanksgiving Day dinner. Now, obviously, we have a a, a big wave of Corona around the country. Obviously, sure. I think most Americans understand what social distancing and masks are. I think you have a greater risk. All these kids tend to be asymptomatic, and many are not getting tested, and they come home to mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. That's a danger I hope everybody takes seriously. Um, but I also get the impression that Americans, they, they, have, they are going to make their own risk assessment. After a year, I think everybody's pretty well informed yeah. on this. Of course, because we're Americans. There's one fundamental thing about Americans. We hate being told what to do. That, it's part of our DNA. I, you know, the old joke always comes to mind. For most Americans, when they're traveling down the highway and they see the sign that says 55 miles per hour, for most Americans, that's not the limit. That's the challenge. So that, that's, just how, that's just part of who we are and our heritage people coming here to settle this, this, this great country. So now you've got government. Government, think about this. In, in, in Ohio, you have to be in your home at 10 o'clock. 
In Pennsylvania, when you're in your home, you have to wear a mask. But in Vermont, when you're in your home, you don't have to wear a mask because you're not allowed to have friends over to your home. The government, that's what government is doing to Americans, telling them how they have to behave in their own home, their own property. And if you don't think that kicks a lot of Americans off, then this is craziness what we're doing. The crazy rules Gavin Newsom had for, for Thanksgiving, oh my goodness. You could be, you had to be outside, but outside was defined as you could have a roof and you could have three sides. So you can really be in your garage with the door up, but you, they call it outside. You can only be there for two hours. I mean, it was ridiculous. You could have only three households. So you and your, you and your, your family, your mom and dad and your brother's family could be there for Thanksgiving, but you and your mom and dad and your brother's family and your sister's family couldn't be there for Thanksgiving. And this is just ridiculous. And Americans have had it with the crazy rules, especially the fact that these people make the crazy rules and then they don't follow them. And now that we've seen all these irregularities, but only in certain states, my question is, mm-hmm. you know, if we don't fix this, we never win another election. I'm, I'm worried uh, about Georgia right now. Yep. No, I am, too. Um, we got two good Senate candidates there. We got to do everything we can to make sure they win. Uh, but you're right. We got to stop this vote by mail. You can't just be, you, and you got to you can't you can't have states do what Pennsylvania did. Just change the rules at the last minute. You know, you have all these rules in place. You had the legislature pass the law, and then all of a sudden, the state supreme court, a bunch of hacks on the court, along with the the Democrats, uh, uh, Secretary of State and the, and, the, and the Democrat governor, they, they go and change the rules at the last minute and, and do this massive mail-in voting concept. So that's the big problem. We we called this, and we we did a report. Uh, Mr. Comer and I and, and our, our staffs on the two committees, and, and unfortunately, it, it played out. And, you know, it was just a few years ago, even the New York Times are saying you can't do massive mail-in voting. The potential for fraud, the potential for problems is so huge. So um, we've said many times, Sean, if you can protest in person, you can vote in person. Let's vote in person unless it's absentee where you specifically request. The Board of Elections knows who you are, knows where you live, knows you're actually a real voter, and it's done that How way. How about voter ID, just like you need to get of in the course. DNC? Of course. How, how about course. signature verification that's real? Yeah, we have both. In Ohio, we, in Ohio, the state that President Trump won by eight points, the Bellwether State, we have, you have to present your ID when you vote. You have to sign so there's a signature match. We only have absentee that you request for, and it can only happen in that 30-day window prior to. So it, we have the kind of system in place that makes sense, that is actually, you know, not fraught with this potential for, for fraud. So that's how we have to do it. But these states, I mean, here in... Yeah, D.C., I've got a roll, but... All right, Jim Jordan, we're going to hit the phones when we get back. Thank you, sir. 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. So we're chronicling, you know, the real-life impact of all of these COVID government shutdowns on real restaurant owners. Now in New York today, they they had been at 25% occupancy indoor dining in New York. That has now gone away. Um, we've been, we've been bringing business owners on. It is devastating to them. Uh, remember we told you about this New Jersey gym owner. Remember this guy, the cops had to come, they arrested him for now. Meanwhile, the guy, I remember interviewing him at the time. I mean, he literally, I mean, there's social distancing in the gym. People are wearing masks in the gym. They have wipes everywhere in the gym. They have Purell everywhere in the gym. And, and people are choosing to go. Now, everybody understands the rules with COVID, social distancing, masks, et cetera. We've gone over them ad nauseum. You know, the fines against this one gym owner now have exceeded 
more than a million dollars. It's over for him. His business is dream. Now, I just happen to know a lot of entrepreneurs and people that risk it all to open that restaurant, open that bakery, open that store, open that gym, open whatever. And, and even though their customers want to go and choose to go, knowing everything we know, no, I did think one of the coolest things we did see this weekend was the, the, the vaccine leaving Kalamazoo, um, Michigan, or there around there, the Pfizer plant there, I think it's in Portage, and, and getting on their UPS trucks and the FedEx trucks and, and routed down around the country. It is a tribute to medical researchers and scientists and doctors. I mean, it's just an incredible, miraculous advancement in terms of a vaccine. Anyway, you got a couple kicked off a United flight to New Jersey because the two-year-old little girl on the flight didn't wear the mask the right way. And, you know, she was struggling to put the mask on. Now, I'm sure there's a way to work with the girl and make that happen if you if you have the patience for it. But that, there wasn't enough patience for it from what I read. You know, the girl is in tears in the video. I mean, it breaks your heart to see this. And, you know, then you've got, of course... Well, they're actually now looking for a recall petition as it relates to Gavin Newsom out in California because they've shut down the whole state out there. And the burdens that are placed on Americans, I, I don't think people really understand. Most people I know that open a small business, everything they have, they throw into it. Every penny they have, their heart and soul, they throw into it. And, and it's hard enough to make it as it is. Here's a case, for example... Uh, if you look at California, now there's a woman who's an incredible, her story would make you cry, owner of the Pineapple Hill Saloon and Grill. Anyway, I've heard her story. I think she was on with Laura in Ingram when I saw her the, the other night. And anyway, she owns her saloon, her store, her, her restaurant. Nobody's allowed in. And right next door, they've got a trailer in a, an area where they're, I guess, doing film production. And they're in closer contact than anybody would have been in her own restaurant that she has to pay for. But she's now closed down. Anyway, Angela Marston, let me first play some of the comments that she made uh, calling out Hollywood hypocrisy over this. Well, I'm going to say this. It is a sad day when there is a huge humanitarian crisis in your backyard and you want to bicker over who's wearing a mask or who isn't. And that is even not the point because I actually believe in wearing masks. My servers wear shields, they wear gloves, they wear masks. And if you go into TJ Maxx right now, it's packed with people mm -hmm. inside and they're allowed to be open. You know, so I, I don't understand why, you know, Hollywood, their careers are made in pubs and bars. You know, you start off as a waiter trying to be an actor or, you know, we, I have a huge community of the entertainment industry that comes in that, by the way, have been very, very supportive. And the reality is, you know, I've been saying it, saying it for a long time, is that pitting us against each other for survival is, is not the way to go about this. If anything, Netflix should be starting a fund to help save the bars and, and, and help feed the people that have supported their industry right here in their hometown of Hollywood. You know, I, I don't I don't understand why they feel they have to be defensive and try to attack me because it's not about politics. It's about people. How about they just cater out of Angela's saloon and grill? 
Angela Marsden joins us now. Uh, first, I'm sorry about all you're going through. I, I would imagine that everything you, your heart, your soul, your finances, you put into this, this is killing you. Yeah, yeah, Hannity. Um, literally, I'm not rich. Uh, I, I'm, I don't come from a rich family. Um, I have a, a silent partner, and um, his sister actually at the time was a friend of mine, and she was you know, diagnosed with cancer, and he was like, look, if I can get us a loan, maybe this will help both of us. And, I mean, we literally took out a loan to pay this bar off, and we've been working for 10 years. The first two years, I didn't even take a salary. I worked as a bartender just so that we could have a retirement and some money coming in to help both of us have a better life. So, yeah, I, I mean, you hit it on the nail. Every small business owner I talk to, it's the same thing. You know, this is their life savings. This is their retirement. And, and we employ, you know, the, 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 the Independent Restaurant um, Association did, gave me some stats. We employ a million single parents across the country. You know, we supply so many jobs to, to the economy. And, you know, that's another thing that gets lost is these people, you know, employees that can't pay their rent and the rent's piling up and their unemployment's running out. And it's just, it's a, it's a vicious circle of things that are like a tidal wave that's about to hit our community. And, and that's why I don't understand why, you know, we, we all know COVID's bad. Actually, um, I have family members that have gotten COVID. And if my father gets it, I don't think he would survive through it. I myself have had tuberculosis, Hannity. I, I was told I wasn't supposed to be working in the public, you know, and I've had to work in the public from day one. So I'm going to lose everything. You know, at my age, going back home and living in my mom and dad's house with nothing, that's not an option. I, I mean, I'm just listening to your story. I mean, what I hear and I totally understand is desperation. But your state is yeah. now shut down. And then, by the way, you do see your state officials like Gavin Newsom. He's sitting around elbow to elbow, you know, at a, his own dining table. And I didn't see anybody at that table with a mask on. Gavin, I don't know if you know this. As far as I know, Gavin Newsom's wineries have been open the entire time. I'm actually, you know, thinking about uh, taking a pro protest there. It's a little far from where I'm at, but I've been talking to people about it. Has been open the entire time. And it just came out that he has, I think, something like eight, eight businesses that he's a part of, of which those eight got like $3 million in PPP loans. And I know bar owners, you know, I'm going to give a shout out right now to Maui Sugar Mill. You know, if you want to go and donate to them, that bar has been around forever. And it really caters to the music industry and bringing in people, you know, big bands, but also making careers for people. They did not have food. And in L.A. County, if you don't have food, you haven't been able to open for nine months. And the landlords still want the rent. They, t they took out a personal loan, Hannity, a personal loan that's almost gone and their unemployment's running out just to try to save their bar or have a chance to open. God knows who wins because there's no, they're not telling them when they get to open. So they don't even know when they're going to. I mean, I, I truly, truly am one of the lucky ones, I say. Because I did get a PPP loan, I was able to go outdoors because I have food. You know, we're more of a bar with food. 110,000 restaurants have been put out of business already. It's just <laughs> the tip of the iceberg. Of us left it's just the tip of the iceberg. I could t Listen, all I do now is buy my food as often as I can from all my, my restaurant buddies. 
I, and even and by the way, I'm gaining weight because of it. But I'm I mean, <laughs> seriously, I just I buy well, more food than I ever will I eat. Know they do. I know these waiters. I know the chefs. I know the owners. I mean, I mean, think of what you have to pay in rent or mortgage. Think about putting the lights on. Think about building out your restaurant. Think about you know you need glasses. The you need are already so thin. The margins. You know, How many cheeseburgers business. do you have? What do you? What's your like your favorite thing on the menu <laughs> that you have at your place? Uh, well, we're, we're we're we we are really known for hamburgers, but we're very known for our, our chicken wings. Believe it or not, we have I love chicken, chicken wings. wings. Oh man. Oh. We sell, We have the best in town. We sell a lot, you know. But you know, can you, can you deliver to New York? Can you stick it on one of those FedEx <laughs> trucks? But well, you know, but, but I, I wish I could, and they would still taste good. <laughs> you know, but this, but the serious side of this, this is your whole life now, and now it's literally hanging in the balance. And I'm probably sure, if I'm guessing right, that a lot of your re- regular steady customers are probably, you know, trying to order, you know, pick up, curb pick up and all that, but it's not the same. Annie, when we first did to-go, I knew that doing to-go, I would lose thousands of dollars, but I wanted to stay open so I could pay some of my staff at least and, and also keep the community together. And and I did everything I could to get my sales up because we're not really known for to-go, and my regular customers did everything they could to support me. And I even did a fundraiser for the nurses you know, if you bought food from me, I would take it and deliver lunches to the hospitals. Even with that, we were only we were losing ninety percent of our income. We were not we only made ten percent of what we normally would make, and I was taking a hit of about twenty to thirty thousand a month. I was. Now, do you do you own the building or do you pay rent? No, we we pay rent as as do most people in L.A. But that probably means you can't pay you can't pay the normal rent. I mean, then what do you do? What does your landlord do? I'm already sixty thousand dollars behind in rent, and nobody the landlords will not work with you. I mean, here's the vicious cycle that you know. I guess I'm, I'm taking off the subject of small businesses. I don't want to, but this is why I continue to keep talking. It's not just about my pub. I pray and hope that my pub will be here. I've, I've gotten so much love and generosity, but everywhere around me, I'm talking five, like within a mile, five or six businesses that are never going to reopen that are trying to do go, go these now. But the thing is, is like I have, they, these are the customers that would come into my patio and tell me what, you know, they're going under. They're not making it. We have people in LA, your rent is say 1500, right? Maybe even more who can't even pay their rent. Their unemployment has run out. They're on their last check. And the building owners aren't working with them because the banks are not working with the building owners. The building owners still have to pay taxes, and they still have to pay expenses. Not, they're not, not all the buildings. You know, a lot of people own little apartment buildings as a retirement as well. They're not getting. Any by the way, Linda, Linda sent me the article on this. Uh, you're right about the winery owned by or founded by Gavin Newsom. Wow, his winery's open. Can you believe that? I wonder if they have taste tests on weekends. That? It's unbelievable. No, it, can I believe it yet? The answer, the answer, sadly, is yeah. I can believe it. Yeah, there's got to be a happy medium. Now, I've been to restaurants here that were well. Now they're all closed. Well, New York, I you know I've heard twenty one just shut down. Oh. You know, long twenty one. I'm now I gave a speech there. I've not, never used to dine there, but I've given speeches. How many years, Linda's twenty one club been in New York? I, I read that and I broke my heart. Oh my gosh, I've never been there, but you know, here it's happening. Here we have the Valley Inn. It's been here for fifty years. 
they're drowning in debt and they don't think they're going to make it. I can tell you 10 places that have been here that long with history that are gone. They're not going to make it. By the way, Linda, just you can say it on air. You can get the credit. I'm not stealing 1930. Your not my credit. Give it to Ethan. All right. Thank you. <laughs> As we continue, uh, Angela Marsden is with us. She's the owner of the Pineapple Hill Saloon and Grill. And she's now completely shut down. So how many people work for you on a regular basis in the Pineapple Hill Saloon and Grill? By the way, next time I go to California, I'm going straight to your restaurant. I'm going to get some chicken wings instead of in and out burger. Wait. I'm going to give you some great hot wings. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah. but, you know, even, on, on look, how much money do you make on an order of hot wings? You're not making a lot of money, No, uh, we Angela. make our money off, off we make oh, our beer. money off people Booze. coming and drinking. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And, I, and I have, I have always employed 15 to 16 people during, a, you know, a normal year. So I'm kind of in the middle. I'm not real small. I'm not real big. Oh. Um, Let me ask you, are, do you have like a GoFundMe page or anything I'd like to donate? I mean, in a little bit we, and help you out. You know, Anybody... I'm, we do have a GoFundMe page, and I've been very, very, I mean, I'm not kidding you, all over the world. I've had people from Australia, from London. Wow. Um, I, I'm blessed that we have gotten a lot of donations, more than most. I continue to keep talking to shine a light on other businesses around me that are going under, and also to try to, I would love to recall Newsom. I want to get this state open in a safe way. California is so uh, far uh, gone. I, I hate to tell this to you. It, you need to pick up and go to, like, Texas or Florida. Get the I've hell out of there. so many people tell me that. I, so and I know people. it's terrible, but I'm, and I live five years in California. It's a beautiful state, but it's gone. I got to run. What's the GoFundMe page? They can find us on PH Saloon on Facebook, and there's a link, or they can go to Pineapple Hill Saloon on Instagram. We'll put and, it up on Hannity.com, make it easy. How's that? Listen, our, our thoughts, prayers with you, your employees, your business. I mean, and I hope people can, you know, if, they, if you can't get in there, maybe you can just order dinner tonight. Thank you, uh, Angelo. We're praying for you and your family. Lou uh, uh, Gellarmino is with us. He's the lawyer for that Staten Island bar owner, Danny Presti. I mean, he was running for his life the other day. Two guys jump on his car that tends up their cops, plainclothesmen that didn't identify themselves. Trying to get the guy off the front of his car. He wasn't trying to hurt the guy, and it turns out he wasn't hurt. Amy Heikinen is with us, the owner of Casse Rosetta, uh, and her attorney, Eric uh, Cullinan, is with us uh, about the shutdowns in New York, Michigan, respectively. Lou, I, I had you on the program with Danny, and I'm like, I, I mean, I feel so bad for this guy, and I love the community wants to rally around him. They're, 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 if they want to take a risk at this point, I don't think the government needs to send in the police squad, the COVID squad, to arrest everybody. You know, Sean, it's sad. Uh, you know, I, I'd like your, your listeners to picture this. You're on mainstream America, Main Street America, anywhere USA. On one side of the street, you have a pub, food, uh, serving alcohol, the owner's making money. And on the other side of the street, literally, you have somebody that has the same type of establishment that can't. How about even this? How about on one side of the street is Fox News and one side of the street is CNN and Fox News is not allowed to broadcast? Right. Or even one more example. By the way, this is for people that don't understand what you're saying here. This is real. I mean, it's right. so arbitrary and capricious is what you're right. saying. Exactly. It's literally happening. How about the guy on the right side of the street? can feed his family and buy Christmas presents for a family, and the guy on the left side of the street 
cannot. That's what's going on in America right now. That poor woman that you have on uh, that you have on with us, I, our heart goes out to her. But that's happening right here in Staten Island, also. That's literally happening right here in America. And not only that, how about the guy standing in the middle of the street is the mayor and the governor? And not only are they not allowing you to open, they're mocking you and lecturing you and talking down to you and treating you like they don't work for you. So that's what's going on here in Staten Island. And by the way, when Danny was running, and I watched, these were plainclothes policemen. Now, by the way, all my cop no, friends were watching the segment sure. in New York, and they're like, that's not us. Excuse me. No, we don't want to do that job. Um, and apparently, I guess it was Comrade de Blasio that sent in his guys. That's what they, that's what they were telling me. But in the report, you said they'd never identified themselves as police officers, right? They're not police officers. They're, let's make that perfectly clear. NYPD and the state troopers want nothing to do with this. Yeah, and by the way, they let me know loudly it wasn't them. Trust me. And and we've been making sure everybody knows this was the sheriff's deputies that had been conscripted by de Blasio to be his own personal political hit force. They did not. They they literally ambushed him two blocks away from his restaurant. And he was running for his life. Well, they came out of the shadows. 25 yards behind them with complete dark outfits on, with skull caps on, and yell, Pris Presti, and start sprinting towards him. That's confirmed in the police report. So they they literally ambushed him. Any American, any reasonable person would have started running for his car. And when the guy was on top of the car, you could see that Danny's just saying, get off my car. He's stopping it so the guy had an opportunity to get off. He doesn't want a guy, you know, hanging on to the front of his windshield as he's driving. He's given him opportunities by stopping to get off his car. That's exactly what happened, Sean. And I'm, I'm glad uh, everybody had a chance to, to see it. We're the ones that released the video. He went slow. He was trying to shake him off a little. He, right. there's, a huge, there's a huge man dressed all in black with a skull cap on, standing up. Grabbing to the grabbing the front of his car. What would any reasonable person do? Man, I know I... Governor Cuomo was tougher than the rest of us. Maybe he would have stood and fought with them, but the rest of us would have did exactly what Danny Presti did. Uh, let me go to you, Amy, and you're the owner of Cafe Rosetta. Tell me about your business. So yeah, in a word, this is about independence. This is deeper than just my business. Um, one day, I finally said no to my abusive husband and decided to go on my own, and I vowed never to be dependent on anyone again, including the government. So Cafe Rosetta saved me. I was a single mom, newly divorced, with six kids that only knew wel- welfare, and I knew there had to be a better way. Cafe Rosetta gave me a place to focus all my energy uh, baking, cooking, barista. Nine years later, I built a successful business. Uh, I'm independent, and I refuse to be independent um, or dependent uh, on anyone, even the government. It's just, it's just not negotiable. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's very hard. Tell everybody the reality of what you're experiencing, though. So today we're open, and we're being fined a thousand dollars a day just for being open. I'm trying to support my family. We have 30 employees. It's been over 30 days now at $1,000 a day. The local health department, state, local governments are emailing, sending certified mail for the uh, fines. Uh, We have court dates. I spent five hours in court yesterday on Zoom just defending myself. 
Unbelievable. Eric, I mean, is there any remedy? Is there any solution, any options for people like uh, Amy that they can, you know, get their businesses up and running? You know, I, look, I, I speak from experience here. You know, my dad was a waiter on weekends. I grew up washing dishes and bussing tables and waiting tables and tending bar. I did it all. And I was even a cook for a while. And, you know, to open a restaurant, I don't think most people understand. You, you've got to either pay the rent or the mortgage. Then you got to hire the people. Then you got to build out the, the place. You got to build out a bar. You got to build out tables. You got to, you know, make it look nice. You got to stock everything. And you got to stock your kitchen. You put in your dishwashers and your cooks. And then your waiters and waitresses and bartenders. And that's the, he's all this money pouring out the door, Eric, before you ever sell a single drink or a single hamburger. Yeah, tell me all about it, Sean. You know, I started, I'm actually an advocate, not a formal attorney, but I am definitely an advocate of Amy. Uh, back in April, after the first shutdown, I started a campaign called All Business is Essential. And I got vocal at that time because they decimated my one of my businesses. They absolutely knocked it on the ground. And I raised some money. I did a billboard and a media campaign fighting the unconstitutional mandates that Gretchen Whitmer threw at us. And when Amy showed up at Cafe Rosetta, it's in my town, and I heard she wasn't shutting down. I just absolutely felt compelled to help her. And the more, the more I get to know Amy, you know, it's just the more amazed I am by the story. You talk about your family. She, she's absolutely the sweetest. I, I mean, how do I've you pay $1,000 and fine a day to keep your cafe open, Amy? I mean, it's you unreal. Know the short answer, Sean, the short answer is, is, is you don't. And, uh, I mean, this girl absolutely personifies the American dream. And so, so how do we do this? Uh, we started, one of a local neighbor here started a fundraising campaign campaign on Give, Send, Go. And if you go there, Give, Send, Go, and search for Amy and Jake, uh, you can contribute to this battle because the fact of the matter is she can't afford to do this on her own. We'll continue with Lou Gellarmino. He's the attorney for that Staten Island bar owner, Danny Presti, uh, also the owner of Cafe Rosetta. Amy Heikinen is with us, along with her advocate, uh, Eric uh, Cullinan, and uh, much more on the other side. And as we continue the real impact on real businesses with Lou Gellarmino, he's the attorney for that Staten Island bar owner, Danny Presti, uh, also the owner of Cafe Rosetta. Amy Heikinen is with us, along with her advocate, uh, Eric uh, Cullinan. One of the things that is kind of inspiring, and I heard it's your case, I know it's the case with Danny Presti and the whole community in Staten Island has basically come out to support this bar owner and restaurant owner, and but... You know, from what I hear is people are going out of their way to to purchase stuff from you. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've got all my buddies out here where I live, and I'm, I'm constantly ordering food that I know I'm never going to touch. I'm just like, all right, right. I'm going to have a sampler plate tonight. I'll order three meals instead of one because, I mean, it's that pivotal for their survival. They're just trying to survive and, and not gulp water every day. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We have great support. Lots of people coming from all over the state, people calling from all over the country. What do you specialize in, by the way? I'm kind of interested. What is your cafe? If you're going to be the baker of the country, what is it? I would call it the Nisu cinnamon roll. It's a... Okay. Now, don't take this the wrong way. That is like a drug to me. You You cannot put a cinnamon roll in front of me without me, like, scoffing it down, you know, in seconds. And I'm like a little up. kid. I have to, like, have a glass of milk with it. It's so pathetic. It's really bad. Um, it's a, it's a, if I could jump in here, Sean, I just, uh, I don't know if you remember America's Barber, uh, Carl Menke, but uh, 
with the funds that were raised here in the last four or five days, over 40000 now, uh, she's been able to retain David Coleman, and he represented America's barber, Carl Mankey. And so we, we got we got him on board. He's he's guiding her, but we're expecting this to cost about one hundred thirty thousand to fight it all the way through the Supreme Court. And so once again, as an advocate, I just want to encourage everybody to reach out to Give Send Go and look up Amy and Jake and help her I've out. I've never heard of Give Send Go, and you can just look up Amy and Jake, and you're going to find out, and you can help these people out. You know, uh, and and Lou, I mean, with Danny, what is he doing now? Um, I see all these people that want to go in every day. Uh, is he opening? Is he not opening? Is he doing takeout? What is he doing? Sadly, Sean, there's a shutdown order. They've 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 closed the the restaurant, and and um, the city has closed the restaurant. The sheriffs have shut it down. Um, nobody's allowed in it. The public's not allowed in it. My partner and I, Mark Fonte, are actually fighting that as literally as we speak. Um, but unfortunately, um, they won't let anybody in the place right now. The city won't allow anybody in the place right now. Staten okay, Island but, you know, a lot of places are putting out, and I even see in New York City, you know, they're putting up these little tents. They even have little private tents for like a dinner for two or four. And, they won't allow and him to do anything, Sean. They anything. won't let this guy do anything. So the guy basically, and, and, and who's going to pay the rent next month? Who's going to pay the mortgage next month? Well, we're very grateful. Is de Blasio going to pay for it? Of course not. Uh, of course not. We're very grateful that there's been a GoFundMe, and, and he's, he's got a very, very big support from the community. So that might help for a month or two. But unfortunately, all he wants to do is make cheeseburgers and serve some beer, Sean. They won't allow him at all. The city has completely shut down the place. And like he I can't said, do he can't that. do like call in orders and just to get him over the hump. I mean, I know a lot of my friends did that for a while. Nothing. They won't nothing. allow him to do nothing. Because he can't even go nothing. in his own bar. He can't even walk in his own bar without being arrested. They've made it clear that they will rearrest him immediately if him and his partner walks in the bar. Well, he's become like a symbol because he's like, you know, and the town supporting him and the people of Staten Island, New York, supporting him. It's, I'm telling you, it really is unbelievable to me. It really is. Well, I'm, I'm, like I mentioned on your show, I'm so proud of the people of Staten Island. 2,000 of us came out in support of Danny Presti. Uh, not a looter, not a rioter. Uh, not a, not a, they actually cleaned up afterwards, Sean, like I mentioned on the show. We, a hundred people stayed to clean up the street afterwards. So I'm so proud of the people of Staten Island. But unfortunately, we have a big battle on our hands against, uh, May de Blasio and Governor Cuomo. They are taking this one personally and, and putting up every roadblock they, that's imaginable. Yeah, he takes the hardest stand against business people like yeah. Danny. And, and if you're, uh, going to church or synagogue. That's his that, That's his biggest thing. Unbelievable. All right, we wish you the best. Please send our best to Danny. Good luck in your case. Amy, we're going to follow you. I hope you guys make it, and I'm very sorry you're living through it. It's tough on you. It's tough on your kids, your family, your business, your life. It's, you know, it's, these are unbelievable times. Thank God Warp Speed got us these vaccines. If I think if we can hang on through May, we'll, we'll all be back, to hopefully getting back to normal. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of this uh, program. Uh, there's a battle that's been going on now with China and Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. Now, it's very interesting. If you look at the, the comments, one of my big questions, Ron Johnson and Charles Grassley did this report on Zero Experience Hunter, and we find out that things go way beyond him not having 
background or experience in oil, gas, energy, or Ukraine, and the millions of dollars made with Burisma Holdings and quid pro quo Joe withholding a billion dollars. You either fire the prosecutor in six hours, you don't get it. That prosecutor investigating his son, Peter Schweitzer, on earlier talking about the Bank of China deal. You know, Hunter, zero experience that we can find in private equity, flying with dad all across the world. And, you know, 10 days later, a billion dollar deal later becomes a one point five billion dollar deal. And the Grassley Johnson report chronicling Kazakh oligarchs and wire transfers with them. A Russian oligarch, the first lady of Moscow and a wire transfer of three and a half million. A shopping spree worth a hundred grand for Hunter and his family by a Chinese national. Then the news yesterday, it even gets deeper, is, yeah, this is office space for me, my dad, my uncle, and, uh, yeah, this guy from China. I go, okay. And Marsha Blackburn says China has a 5,000-year history of cheating and stealing, and some things will never change. The Chinese responded. We'll get to that in a second. Um, But Chuck Grassley saying Hunter and James Biden essentially served as agents for this government, the Chinese government. Listen. These associations and the millions of dollars that passed between and among Hunter Biden, James Biden, and others create criminal financial and counterintelligence and extortion concerns. That's why I've written to the Justice Department about the risks that Hunter and James Biden essentially served as agents of the communist government for purposes of their registering under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. After Hunter Biden publicly confirmed he was under criminal investigation, liberal news outlets reported on concerns that his financial associations could create criminal financial and counterintelligence problems. Something you heard from the Johnson Grassley report several weeks ago. All right. Joining us now is Senator Marsha Blackburn. Uh, I see that China responded calling you a racist and ignorant, the most racist, ignorant U.S. senator I've seen. A lifetime, then the B word. And anyone not told the communist Chinese it's not a nice way to talk to a lady? Um, I, I know you're tough and you can handle it, and, and, uh, but I still don't like it. And uh, I'm a little annoyed because based on all of these foreign dealings, uh, Nobody seems to want to ask the question, what do the communist Chinese have on Hunter and Joe? Because I think there could be a compromise situation here. There is no doubt, Sean, that this could be a compromise situation. And when you look at the affiliations between Biden Incorporated, primarily Hunter and James, and the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party, and see, this is one thing I think that is so important for everyone, for all of us to keep in mind. When we talk about China, we are talking about the communist regime that is running China. And Hunter Biden has had business dealings with these companies, with these banks that are owned in large part by the Chinese Communist Party. So, of course, this is something that should be investigated. Of course, 2018, he was being investigated. Biden campaign knew this. You know they knew it. You know Joe Biden and Jill Biden knew this. But nobody ever asked them the hard question. And now Hunter has had to admit, yes, 
he has been under investigation. So we know the New York Post story was accurate. We know the, that the owner of the Mac shop was telling the truth, and now they've tried to ruin his life. So, you know, China has sanctioned me. They come after me because I've been tough on them just not yesterday and a few weeks ago. I've been on China's case going back to my work in the House, defending intellectual property, fighting piracy, making certain that U.S. innovators and U.S. companies didn't get ripped off by China stealing their trade secrets, reverse engineering their products and their components. And we're going to stay on their case. China took our jobs. They took our innovation. They sent us a virus. It is time for us to begin to hold them to account. And I don't know if Joe Biden is the person that could do that, because I think his position is compromised. Well, I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to get to the bottom of it. I mean, you saw what happened in the lead up to the 2020 presidential race. I mean, the media just dismissed this as nothing, and then they suppressed the story about Hunter Biden um, and the laptop and Bobolinsky and the crack pipe pictures and everything in between. Well, and this is one of the reasons that we want to make certain and are pleased that the, that the Durham investigation now is a special counsel. We need to do likewise with all of this on Hunter Biden so we can find out what did happen. How is it that the Biden family was so engaged with people in the Ukraine, uh, with Burisma, with the Chinese, with the Chinese energy company? How is it that they were able to accept all of these elaborate gifts, diamond rings, shopping sprees, and nobody said anything, and the media never reported it? You know, the Media Research Center said that with this information on Hunter Biden admitting he has been under federal investigation for two years, that the mainstream media has only spent nine minutes covering this story. That is unbelievable. Nine minutes. The son of a guy who wants to be president, I still hope we get four more years of Donald Trump, but, you know, and he has been under investigation for two years by the FBI, by the Department of Justice, for tax evasion, for money laundering, and the media does not cover it. Well, it's sad because I don't see it changing anytime too soon. Uh, anyway, I appreciate the fight that you're in, Senator Blackburn of uh, Tennessee. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Caleb is in uh, Texas on the Sean Hannity Show. How are you? Hey, Sean. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? You're 18 years old, I see, huh? Yes, sir. I turned 18 on October 28th of this year. I live in Jones County, Texas. And I voted for Donald Trump, and I support John Cornyn and Ted Cruz. And I just want to say that I feel cheated. By this government. I really do. I feel cheated by elected officials. I feel cheated by the court, the, the Supreme Court. And I also feel cheated by my fellow voters, voters who aren't paying attention. The, the Supreme Court is supposed to uphold the law. And they're not, they're not upholding the law and the justice in this country. And the news shows that. The facts show that. And I, I just want to know why our country is not doing anything except for a select few group of individuals. So I have kids around your age, okay? One of the things I do try to instill in them a lot, and I have, they're both athletic, so I'll, I'll use a sports analogy, is life isn't fair, 
Uh, people do cheat. Uh, you don't always win. The harder you work, the better you'll do. You got it in life. You know, you, you just got to understand that not everything in this world is fair. You know, uh, do I see a lot of fraud and abuse? And I'm listening to these stories of whistleblowers and witnesses, and I'm looking at the affidavits, and I'm, I, I, it's, it's mind-numbing to me. I wish I could tell you things like this didn't happen, happen but they do. I'm just giving you the real deal here. No, no Pollyannish anything. And but, you know, I'm hopeful there were 75 million of us that voted for Donald Trump. Um, I'm hopeful that our top priority now becomes fixing a broken election system. I'm hopeful that we can right the ship and, and correct the wrongs and injustices. But in the back of my mind, too, I'll be I'll be totally blunt and I fear the admonition of Reagan, and that is freedom is but one generation away from extinction. And I don't want it to happen on my watch. Too many people have fought, blood, and died for this. Uh, and, and we hear the stated agenda of radical socialist Democrats. I can tell you, based on my experience, these policies will fail. These promises will never be met. Uh, we will give up freedom in the name of false security. And then it's just a question of how much we give up. And will the American people ultimately, I prayerfully, wake up and understand uh, that, you know, this can't happen in this country? I, you know, this is the kind of thing that we're talking about and have been discussing every day. It's almost hard to wrap your mind around it completely and, and comprehend it all. But that's the type of stuff that always happened in, in those other places. I didn't expect it to happen here. So, look, I mean, for you, you're 18 years old. You have your whole life ahead of you. Um, my, my, my best advice to you is find whatever talent God gave you. My advice to you is use freedom to bring the best out of yourself. Ultimately, you're going to be in some business where you either produce goods or services that people want, need, and desire. Be the best at what you do. Try to be the best. Try and improve every day and fight for the things you believe in. And if more people would do that and, and be skeptical of people, be skeptical of me, be skeptical of anybody, you know, trust, but verify. And I think that those those simple things, you know, follow the basic rules of life. Love God, your neighbor as yourself and start there. And if you do that, then, you know, what good things will start to happen for you. OK, yes, sir. Thank you, Sean. It was a pleasure speaking to you. And I have one question. Yeah, um, I am currently researching the history of our country and such. And in, in addition to your book and other books I picked up by Charlie Kirk and Ronald Reagan, do you have any book recommendations that I could use to educate myself? Yeah, do the, do the great ones book, Liberty and Tyranny. Start there. He's written some great books on the on our Constitution, on the thought leaders that that inspired our framers and our founders. I don't think there's anybody that's that's written a better book than Liberty and Tyranny. Try that one. OK, thank you, Sean. All right, my friend. God bless you. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Frank is out in Long Island. Frank, hi. How are you? Glad you're with us. Hi, Sean. I'm kind of at the other end of the spectrum. I'm 68, going to be 69 years old. And yes, sir. And let me just say, the election was fixed, and nobody will ever convince me of it that it wasn't. But th this is the troubling thing for some, from my perspective. Okay? We control the Supreme Court. Donald Trump comes along and the forgotten people, the desist people, we put them in office. We got control of the Senate. We got control of the House of Representatives. What happens? Nothing, really. McCain thumbs us down on Obamacare. We do pass the tax cuts, but nothing else really gets done. 
He puts three Supreme Court judges on the court. We control the Supreme Court six to three. The election comes now. Ten, eleven. Uh, obviously, we don't. <laughs> I mean, let's well, be honest we here. Don't because. It's phony. We, we well, I mean, it is a phenomenon, they, isn't they it? They vote against it. They vote uh, Frank, against Republicans it. always get burned. Republicans, uh, Democrats well, always we, get the we, radical we, judicial activists that they want. And, you know, John Roberts is a disappointment. What went on behind the scenes? Eventually it'll come out. You're right about Republicanism. I'm not a Republican. Republicans have been weak, feckless, spineless, visionless. And Donald Trump gave him courage and gave him a backbone and showed people what he really taught people, if you pay attention. If Republicans paid attention is if you fight and you keep your promises and you fight to keep your promises, you'll get rewarded. You know, and 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 unfortunately, he was such a threat to all things, the swamp. They were not going to let him win. And I think that's where you and I are in full agreement. There are way too many witnesses, eyewitnesses, way too many laws that were ignored way too many things that happened here for, I think, reasonable people to have trust, faith confidence that this election was held with integrity. I, I don't believe it was. Could I just say one thing? The Trump people, there's 75 million of us. No right. swamp creature can survive us. Primary these guys. Get them out. Because without our votes, they can't win a primary for any office without the Trump people. The, the, the Republican Party, we are the majority now. The Trump people are the majority. The, 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 the swamp Republicans are the minority. Get rid of them. Hey, listen, the all you McConnell. need to look at, Frank, is two votes. One was in the Senate. You mentioned John McCain. There was also, in 2015, Republicans had the Senate, and they didn't have, the, the White House was never going to sign a straight repeal bill on Obamacare. Seven senators, when the vote mattered in 2017, Change their vote. Seven Republicans. It, you had 65 show votes to repeal and replace Obamacare. 65. And guess what? Um, they didn't do it when it mattered. And that would be 2017. So it's not Republicanism. Donald Trump did this and, and most of his accomplishments were done independently, him taking on the full burden on himself. I mean, he's a, um, he's a, he's a metaphysical force in the sense that this guy just doesn't stop. And while he wasn't presidential, he's tweeting. I, well, why do you think the switch goes off at a certain hour every day? It doesn't.